deal with that. All right, so let's get, let's get right to our message this morning, greater than. Don't really have a title because I got a lot of greater thans I want to throw at you this morning. Going to begin in Mark, uh, some words of Christ, where he was asked, what is the, uh, the greatest commandment? That's kind of like somebody handing you a Bible, say, okay, tell me what the one most important thing in here is. I mean, you know, it, it, it take me a while to try to figure out what's the one most important thing. Well, Jesus had an answer for him, but he didn't give him a little short answer. He, he kind of preached him a little message, and then he kind of told him what they were. I mean, he, he, he gave him a, a good bit of it. So it's right here. He said, the most important commandment, the most important one answer Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Okay, so what's the most important thing? I mean, that's like... A whole lot. That's more than just one little thing. It's like even, even, even narrowing it down, Jesus still gives him a paragraph, but doesn't leave it there, does he? He goes on. He said, let me tell you what number two is also. So number two must be really important because even though he just asked about number one, he said, no, let me tell you the top two. So he said, the second is like, like it. It's, it's this, love your neighbor as yourself. And there is no commandment greater than these. Love your neighbor as yourself. And we, we hear that, we, we, we see those, and I don't think we realize the depth of what Jesus is saying. Sometimes we kind of make these really shallow things right here. But the two greatest commandments in the Bible, and the whole thing, and all the Word of God, and all of His direction, Jesus says, is the way we relate to God and everybody else, all people. Not just the people right here, right now, but everybody. It's the commitment that we have in our relationship to him and everyone else. That's the most important things. And it's not like, you know, like the golden rule, you know, where Jesus told us, you know, to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is deeper than that. I mean, the golden rule is kind of like a mom would tell to their three or four year old child, you know, hey, you need to treat everybody. When we go to the park today, treat everybody like you, you know, when you go to the party today, that kind of a thing. You know, treat everybody right. No, this is deeper. He didn't say treat everybody right. He said, love them like you love yourself. That's deep. You know what love, love is? Around here, we teach that love is a choice. Love is not an emotion. You don't do it when you feel like it. You do it because you choose because it's the right thing. And it's not just me and my wife. It is everybody. He's saying, I'm to love my neighbor as myself. He's that means he's talking about everybody. So the greatest commandments are not about us. They're not about teaching us how to get stuff from God, not teaching us about all our things, the things we need. It's about how we relate to God and everybody else. It's about our commitment to relationship, our commitment to one another. Okay, let's go on uh, in, in the book of Hebrews. Let me show you something else about this. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. So now Jesus, uh, and, and the context here is he's talking about how Jesus is holy. So let's throw that in there so you kind of get this context. The verse is right before it. It says, so now Jesus, who is holy, and the ones he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. Isn't that amazing? He's not ashamed to call you his brother or sister. He's not ashamed to call you, you know, really, like we might say family, or for this message, let's say family. He's not ashamed to call you family. You ever been ashamed to call somebody your family? You ever been ashamed of a brother or a sister? Like last week I asked, you know, do anybody know any dysfunctional families? Are you part of one, you know? You ever been, or maybe not ashamed, but embarrassed, you know, and hope they didn't, you know, hope people didn't realize that you had the same last name as that person and maybe the same nose or whatever, you know, and that you were the same family. Or you ever been, you know what? Jesus has never been ashamed to call you his family. Isn't that amazing? That's how he feels about you. He is not ashamed. He embraces the fact 
that you're his family. Oh, that's awesome, isn't it? That's how he feels about you and the person sitting next to you and the person that you work next to every day of the week and that person that's going to have the locker next to yours. This year. That's how Jesus feels about every person in the earth. Okay, there, there's a qualifying statement right here that we'll get to in just a moment in the book of Mark. But that's how he feels about every single person. He is not ashamed. He embraces the fact that he can call them family. Okay, and, and so then back to, Matthew, uh, back to Mark, uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 34 and 35. Jesus is surrounded. Uh, if you read the verses for this, it says he's surrounded by people. They're all sitting around him uh, talking to him. And, and his mother and his brothers, they come up and, and you know, they're sending him word. And they say, hey, your mom's outside. And he's surrounded by all these people who are listening to him speak. And he, he looked around at those uh, who were around him and said, uh, uh, look, these are my mothers and brothers. These are my mother and brother. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. So he qualified. He says, anyone who does God's will, anyone who follows in the will of God, they're family to me. And so he embraces them all. All of them are his family. Everyone who does the will of the Father is, is, is my family. And he embraces that. And, and he's excited about that. You, you and I, listen, we've got this thing here at 2911. We've got our, our, our niche that God's kind of given us. Let's tell you, you know, God didn't call us to build a church here that was like every other church up and down the street. You know, that's not why we're here. God has given us a niche. There's, there's a little different thing about it. You know, and, and here's kind of here's kind of the way it is, is that, you know, uh, you don't really have to have grown up in church to feel at home at 2911. Matter of fact, you don't even have to like church to feel at home at 2911, I don't think. You know, you know, because there's been, let me tell you, there's been some churches that I've pastored that I didn't like, and, I, and I'm not saying the people I didn't like. I'm talking about just the way that I was pastoring. I said, I don't like this. You know, God changed me. I, you know, okay, so I, I'm, I'm not saying that they're part of the problem. I said, we've been part of the problem. And you might, might not even like church, but let me remind you of this. You don't have to like church or like what church has been, but you have to love the church because the church is the body of Christ. And you have to love, that. you have to embrace it. If Jesus Christ embraces us, because you got to think about who he is and who we are. If he embraces us, then we have to definitely embrace each other. If, if he, if he from, from heaven above, as pure and holy as he is, embraces who we are, then we, then we sinners as we are, saved by his grace, we have to embrace one another. And love that. You might not like what church has been or what church has done to you because we've got a lot of people that, you know, you were de-churched. I mean, you, you got hurt, you got misused, abused, or whatever. Man, it's happened. And now you're back, you're back at church and you've, you've been a part of 20. You might not like what church has been, but you have to love who the church is. You have to love that. You see, because Jesus was not gathering a group. He, he didn't build a team. He started a family. It's a family. And you can quit a group. You can be dismissed from a team. But you're always part of the family. You're always part of the family. Even when you, when, you, know, when you become prodigal, like the prodigal son, and say, I'm out of here, and you go your own way, you're still part of the family. 
oh man, I'm just having so many thoughts come to my mind. I I don't have time to preach these, but I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, that father that when the prodigal son left, the father saw him way from way down the road. What that tells me is every day he was looking when my son came. So he, cause he saw him when he was so far away, he had to have been looking all that time. So even when you're away from God, even when you're not here, you're not part of what you think you're not part of the family, you're still part of the family. And that's why this is so important. This is not just a team. This is not just a group of people who have come together to establish a, a, a church, little c. This is the church, capital C, and it's a family. And that's what he was establishing. So, so God's family, God's family is greater than me. It's greater than me. It's, it, it, you, can, you can use the term bigger if you'd rather, but it's, it's greater than me. It is greater than who I am. It is greater than what I want. And we were talking yesterday, I was, was at dinner at our, our small group and I was sitting next to Scott and, uh, you know, we were talking about that. I said, you know, everybody needs, everybody needs something different in the family of God. He said, yeah, but everybody needs something. Said, oh yeah, that's right. And you know what? We, we failed to, to realize that. Sometimes we think we're the only ones, but everybody needs something. And everybody needs something different. And sometimes we, we, we make Christianity about this thing. Oh, God will, you know, he will do this for you. But there's other people in the family that they need something else. So they need something. And sometimes we don't make allowance or room for, hey, everybody needs something, but everybody needs something different. Because people need healing. People need healing physically. Some people need he- healing spiritually. Some people need healing over, over, over uh, things that have been done to them, abuses in the past physical, sexual, all kinds of stuff. Everybody needs something different, but everybody needs something. And so we've got to realize that sometimes we, we want to we tailor Christianity down to what we want, but it's bigger than me. And there, and, and there are so many people out here that need so many other things. God's family is huge, and that's an awesome thing. We need a big family. Let me tell you a couple of reasons why we need a big family. First of all, because family blessings are bigger than solo blessings. They're greater than solo blessings. I mean, you know, you get a little blessing, you know, the rest of your family can high five you and say, that's good. But I mean, if the whole family gets it, you know, that's even greater and wonderful and awesome. Let me, let me remind you of a story. I preached about this. It's been, man, I don't know, about three years ago, but I, I've, I've preached from here several times over the years. First uh, Chronicles 13, 14 says, the ark of God remained with a family of Obed-Edom in his house for three months. And the Lord blessed his household and everything he had. This ark thing, that's the, that box, the Old Testament, you know, symbolized the presence of God. You uh, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark fans, you'll understand, you know, that, that, that thing. I mean, that's what the movie was kind of about. It, there actually was a box. All the rest of the stuff about the movie wasn't, you know, that was fiction and made up. But I mean, there actually was a box, had the Ten Commandments in it that God gave to Moses. It symbolized the presence of God. And for reasons that I don't have time to explain right here, if you'll just back up in First Chronicles, you'll see some of it there. But for reasons I don't have time to explain right here, it ended up at the house of Obed-Edom. Uh, and, and, and other people were kind of... Uh, playing with the box. They were kind of trying to use the box, you know, that symbolized the presence of God. They called the ark. But Obed-Edom, he honored it because it represented the presence of God. He honored it. He took care of it. He took care of it rightly. And because of that, it says the Lord blessed his household and everything he had. You know how blessed he was? He was so blessed that the king of Israel got jealous of him. David, King David, the man after God's own heart, he got jealous. He was so blessed that David got jealous of him because when he heard about Obed-Edom's family being blessed, David said, hey, we got to go get the ark. 
And David was the one that put it there, but, and he was kind of backing away from it for a little while. It's like, I, I just don't know. And he puts it there, and now Obed-Edom's family starts to be blessed, and now David gets jealous and says, we got to go get the ark back. There's a really good lesson that is here, and here's, here's where it is, is that Obed-Edom was not the only one that was blessed. He was the one that had the right attitude. We don't know anybody else's name in that whole family, but everybody in the family was blessed because Obed-Edom had a right attitude about the spirit and presence of God, meaning that there might have been people that weren't living for God in the family, but everybody in the family was blessed. Is anybody listening to me that you've got family members that aren't following God right now? But everybody in the family was blessed. See, family blessings are so much greater than individual blessings. So quit praying for little things and God, please do this, do this for me, 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 and say, God, start reaching out. God, bless my family and believe for God to do greater things for your family. And it wasn't just finances. We know it's finances, but things like peace and, and, and just wisdom and strength and, and joy in the household. Those are some of the things that David needed. That's why he got jealous. He needed some peace in his family. He needed some joy back in his family. He needed some hope back. And that's some of the things that made him jealous. And you know what? There are people out there just like, wouldn't it be awesome to be, to, to, to be, uh, you know, have people jealous of you like kings and presidents and, and, and community leaders? Let me tell you, when they come to the place that they realize what they, they are missing and what they need in their life, they will be jealous of you because they will see that you've got exact, that's where David was. He saw that Obed-Edom had exactly what he needed. And, 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 and what do you get that? You get that just from the right attitude, and, and, but it's a family blessing. And family blessings are so much bigger and so much greater. But doesn't it stand to reason then that if my family's blessings would be, would be so much greater than just me getting a blessing, that also blessings to the whole family of God will be proportionally even greater than a blessing to just my family. So we don't need to just be praying for ourselves or our little family. We need to be praying for, for them all. Let me, let me show you. You remember, uh, you might remember the scripture, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. A lot of you probably have quoted that about the, the devil and the roaring lion. You know how he goes about like a roaring lion? We don't quote verse 9 very often, though, do we? So let let me take you to both of those right here. He says, stay alert. And this is New Living Translation, so maybe in a different uh, version than, than, than you have memorized it or read it in. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. But we kind of just stop right there. We don't go on. It says, remember that your Christian brothers and sisters, your, your Christian family, your family all over this world, they're going through the same kind of suffering you are. And now, now really the encouragement that is there and what he's saying right there is, is stay strong in your faith because remember, you're not going, going through this all by yourself. Everybody else is going through the same things you're going through. And it may be not right now, but what you're coming out of right now, somebody else was in just a couple of months ago or somebody else in the family is about to go through and we're all going through the same thing. So stand firm in your faith and know that you're not going through this all by yourself, but there's something else inherent there also. When you remember that you're not going through this all by yourself, it's time to start praying prayers for the whole family of God. You're not the only one suffering through the economy. You know that, right? Right? You're not the only Christians in this country suffering through the economy. It's time that we quit just praying, God, give me a job. God, bless my family with a little bit more. 
And it's time we started saying, God, find all of your family that are struggling in this economy that we're in right now, God, and don't let, don't let the rest of the world look with disdain on your family, but God, let them see that they are a blessed family. And call, don't just call blessings to yourself or even to your family, but call blessings to the family of God and pray for the whole family of God during this economic time because we all are facing and going through the exact same things. Amen? Okay, I'm doing a lot of teaching right here, okay? But I got some things I want to share with you at the close. So stay with me in this teaching. One, one, more th- one, more, one more reason that we need a big family is because our message, as, as we said in the first one of these sermons, our message is greater than Sunday. Our message and our mission, man, it's greater than me. me it's greater than us. I don't have a problem at all admitting to the fact that the, the mission, the message, the, the dream that God has, man, it's bigger than me. I can't do this by myself. I need some help. Come on, we need to get this thing done. But as pastor of this church, I also don't have a problem admitting that the message and the mission is bigger than this church. It's bigger than just one church. And there's a lot of churches, they think, they think you know, that, hey, it's all, all about us. We're going to get it done. You know, I think church I grew up in, we kind of, Felt that way about it a little bit. You know, us 150, we're going to change the world. My cousin said, my mom doesn't believe we're the only church going to heaven. He just thinks we're going to, she just thinks we're going to get there first and turn the lights on for everybody else. You know? <laughs> but, you know, sometimes we get that, get that opinion about, oh, but we are the church. We're not the church. We're a part of the capital C church. He's not building a team. He's not gathering a group. He started a family. And everyone is a part of the family. And this thing is bigger than any church, any five church, any 10 churches. This mission, this message that we have is a huge message and we need some help. And and look what Jesus said about it, John 14, 12. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. What he's saying is all the good stuff and amazing stuff you've seen, you haven't seen anything yet. I'm going back to the Father. See, Jesus was God come in the flesh, but because he was in the flesh, he he, he was bound by the flesh to only be in one place at one time. You know, he's not that way anymore. You know, he, he, but he came in the flesh and he was that way. Now he's gone back to the father. He is, in, he is in his normal state. And so he's saying, now you're my body and now you're going and you're going to do things all over everywhere. What he is saying is we, because there's a multitude of us, because we're this big, huge family, we can do so much more than he was able to do here on the earth because we have this huge family. That's another blessing of being a part of a big family. So, you know, when you kind of, close things down and say, it's just us. We're the only ones doing the big good stuff for God. We're the only ones that can pray the power down. We're the only ones that can believe that we're the only one. We're, man, you're putting yourself, you're putting yourself in a place that you're never going to be successful because we need the whole family of God. It's a whole big thing. So, so uh, another greater than is, is God's 2911 family is greater than this. So this is our niche. This is our different. This is our little place. But God's family is bigger than this. Bigger than, just, you know, and, and, and I'm, what, what I'm saying here is it's really easy. It's, it, you know, it's really easy to just say, uh, man, I like, I like the way 2911 is. Let's just, let's just leave it like it is. Let's, let's don't change anything. Okay. When we, when we going to, you know, draw that line so this is where it ends. Okay, we're going to back up about six weeks and tell the people that have just started coming in the last six weeks, you can't come anymore because we decided we liked the way it was. Come on. 
Are we going to draw the line next week or whatever? We'll still allow visitors to come in, but they're going to always be visitors. Never come. We can't do that, can we? Let me ask you a question. If you found out you had, and somebody was telling me after service, so I gave, kind of gave this little illustration, and they said, you know, I, I was at a funeral this week, and, and uh, family members of this, of this person that passed away met for the first time, did not even know that they had brothers and sisters. You know, and I, what if you found out this week that you had an estranged brother or sister that you had never met somewhere in the country, maybe even somewhere, maybe somewhere in Jefferson County, you know, somewhere close by that you never met, but you had the, you had the opportunity or you had the resources, you had the availability, some way you, you knew how to connect with them. Would you do it? Man, I would. I, I, I like knowing that kind of stuff, you know, where my family came from and all that kind of, I like knowing that kind of stuff. Would you connect with them? Would you? Would you Facebook message them or, you know, or, or go to their Facebook? Hey, try to like them, see if they're, you know, let you, so you can read all about them, see all the pictures, of, you know, of every, wouldn't you do that kind of a thing? Or maybe even, maybe even, uh, you know, call them up, talk to them, and, you know, go meet them somewhere for lunch one day and just sit and talk and, and try to figure out all these connections and stuff. Maybe invite them to your house. You know, would you, maybe after you did the background check, make sure they hadn't been arrested 14 times or whatever. Yeah, right. But wouldn't you invite them to your house maybe and spend the weekend and, and, and you know, and if they came, they had a big family or whatever, you know, you, I, I don't know if y'all do this kind of thing, but maybe even you move out of your bedroom that weekend and, you know, you sleep on the couch or whatever to give them some space and you inconvenience yourself so that they can be, be convenienced. You know, you find out that they like, the, their favorite food is your favorite food. And so, you, man, we got to have that while you're here. You know, got to do those kinds of things. When you do all that kind of stuff, if you had an estranged brother or sister, we have many estranged brothers or sisters. We have many out there. So now what do we do about it? We should do the same things we said we would do if we found out we had a physically estranged brother or sister. We should do the same things with these spiritually estranged brothers or sisters. We should reach them somehow. We should connect with them. Facebook message them. In invite them to lunch. Yeah, even into your house. Maybe even more importantly, into this house. Say, so why don't you come spend this part of the weekend with us? And we would, we need to inconvenience ourselves. You know, move up one row next Sunday. Now, I, come on, you, if you're brand new at a church or, or if you're visiting a church, you want to sit on the first four or five rows or the last four or five rows. Come on, let's be honest. Then inconvenience yourself. Everybody move up one row next week. Uh, we got some room up here between me and Jody, you know. We, we got some room up here on the front row if anybody wants to join us. You know, Inconvenience, or, or, or next week when you pu start to pull into your parking space, you know, you pick one out, you start to pull in, you say, I think I'll go down two or three more and just leave these two or three for maybe somebody who's new or somebody who's a part of this family. Because here's the thing is, there's so many family members out there. And, and I think here's, what, here's one of the mistakes that we make, is I think we say things like, we say things like, those people out there that are potentially going to become Christians. Haven't you, haven't you heard? I mean, I've said that kind of a thing. 
You know, and pray, oh God, uh, I pray you send forth, as your word says about those, those, uh, those angels, you send them forth as those that will be ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation. God, whoever those are going to be, you know, I said those potential Christians, and we talk about them as if there are certain potential Christians out there, and so we're walking around out there and, and think, okay, God, show me, you know, do I minister to this one because they might become a Christian one day or a minute. And that's not the, that's not the, the, the context we should have at all. That's not the, the, uh, the uh, focus we should have at all. Our focus should be that every single person out there that is not yet a member of the family of God, they are members of the family. They just don't know it yet because every one of them was created in the image of God. They look like him. You know, I mean, there's something about, about him that is in them. And every single one of them is out, that is out there is a member of the family of God. And you know what God dreams? God's not dreaming that this 20 or that 30 or that 50 become Christians or become part of, remember that they're part of the family. He is dreaming that they all will. He's dreaming that. And imagine, imagine one day, you know, here on this earth, your daddy, or your mommy finds out you knew about an estranged family member. You knew about it for years, but you never told them, and you never did anything to connect them to the family. And they find out. They're like, oh, I'd be heartbroken. Like, why didn't you let me know where my brother was? Or I wonder if one day we'll get to heaven. And Jesus will wonder why we knew about all these estranged family members out there, and we never did anything about it. Why? Why? You knew they were my family. And you didn't invite them. You didn't message them. You didn't say, hey, let's have lunch. You didn't invite them to my house. You didn't inconvenience yourself. Just in case you don't get it around here, this is what 2911 is about. We're not about us. Not anymore. Once, once we become a Christian, it ain't, about, it ain't about us anymore. It's about the people that don't know they're a part of this family. And they're... This, God's 2911 family, it's bigger than this. There are still dozens of people out there that belong in this clan of the family. They just don't know it yet. And somebody's got to do something about it. And so, you know, here's, here's what we do. I mean, that's a big part of who we are. And, and it's really easy for us to just invite all of our church friends like, man, we got a really cool church and you come try it out. That's great. That's wonderful. But that's that's not who we are. What, what we're about is finding those who aren't, those who don't know they're part of the family, and they need to find that. And so, so what we try to do as staff and leaders, we try to do everything possible to help you do this, make it easy, even make it fun. I mean, we do things like trying to make it fun for you to invite people to come to church. I mean, you know, like, you know, I, I didn't say this in the first service, but like, Ice cream, that ice cream day on the last Sunday of the month of July, that was National Ice Cream Month. People thought I made that up. I was telling people that. They thought I made that up. No, it actually, I think it was Ronald Reagan that, that declared that the first time. You know, and, and it's National Ice Cream. So the last Sunday of that month, we had an ice cream truck out there, free ice cream. I mean, is that not easy and fun to invite, you know, unchurched people, estranged family members to say, let me tell you what happened to my church Sunday. Isn't that fun? I mean, that's the that's reason we do that kind of thing. I mean, it's joy. It's wonderful to celebrate out here. I'm glad, man, it was wonderful because everybody just kind of hung out and hung out. And we just kept talking and eating ice cream and just did. That was awesome. But I mean, it's also a great excuse. Just about everything that goes on around here is a great excuse to invite somebody. Like, 
I told you last week, if you weren't here last week, please listen to the podcast. The last two weeks, those are two of the, if I, if I were to pick out five sermons this year that you need to hear, the last two weeks are two that you need to hear. Not because they're the most awesome sermons, but because of the content, what is there. You need to hear this. And if you weren't here last week, I'm telling you something brand new, is in September we're starting a third service. Because we're, we're growing, even in the summer. And when everybody gets back from vacation, and summer stuff. I mean, it's going to be even more crowded in here. I mean, you know, you look around. I mean, because some of you, some of you, you know, you walk up to me and say, "Are they new? Have they been here before?" Yeah, you don't know. It, we're growing, so we got to make room. So, what are we? We're starting a third service. Why? Are we, are we starting a third service for us? Because I need a seat. I got a seat. You got a seat. Uh, Russ, you got a seat. Russ, you got a seat. Lane, you got a seat. Yeah, yeah. Tommy, you got a seat. Yep. We've got a seat. We're not making room for us. We're making room for the estranged family members that don't know they belong here yet, that are coming home. That's what we're doing. And that's an awesome opportunity for you to invite somebody say, hey, we're starting a third service because the whole, the whole focus of it is because we're making room for you. we got to make room for the, uh, these in our community that belong right here, in all of our communities. That's what we're doing. Uh, and like the sermon series, okay? The 2911 sermon series. The, the, when, you see that, when you see that, if you're on Facebook and you see a, that logo coming up or, or you know, that, that slide, I mean, that's probably the background of the promo slide for that sermon series. You know, as a church member, you're, you're supposed to click like, okay? Y'all know how to click that like little thing? You click like, you know? And there's another one beside it, you know, that says share, you know, you're supposed to share, you know, because, and when you share, you, I know somebody say, but I don't ever know what to type in there because it always asks me to. No, you don't have to do that. If you just click share and enter, you don't have to add anything to it. And it'll just post whatever said. It'll just post that from the church page to your page. And everybody you're friends with will then see something cool about your church. And let me tell you, the very next sermon series that we're going to preach starting the first week of September is Go Fish. Okay, uh, that title may change, but we're th that's where I'm leaning to right now. And you say, well, I don't like fishing and I don't hang out with fishermen. Well, it's not just, it's not about fishing, okay? What is it about? It's based on this kind of a thought. You know, the th thing that if you give a boy a fish, he eats for a day, teach him to fish, he eats for a lifetime. Okay, it's the same thing. Church 2911, we don't want to give you a fish. I am, I hope I am not giving you something that you're living on this week. I hope I'm not doing that. I hope I'm teaching you how to fish on your own. So what I'm saying through the sermon series that's coming up is, you know, don't just take this and live off this. Now go fish this week for yourself and go deeper and get more and gather more. That's what the sermon series is about. Now, I mean, can't you get excited about inviting somebody like that? And if you do know any fishermen, I mean, by all means, yeah, because there will be some fishing uh, illustrations and, uh, you know, it, it thrown in there. So definitely, if you know a fisherman, that's an awesome. You need to be looking for those kinds of things. And click share, you know, click like so that they see it. And so that, and then some of them, if they click like, then they're friends. So what you're doing is you're reaching generations of people away. You know, you could make even your just little part of that go viral and a lot of people seeing. So when we do something cool around here, we're, it's not just because we like doing stuff like that. I mean, that's, a, we do like it, but it's because we like doing cool stuff because it gives you an excuse. And I got to hurry through some of this, but our next event, events around here. If we, do, if we don't do events by accident, everything is purposeful. And our next big event, we're planning on doing it, and we don't have all the details worked out, and I'm not going to say a lot about it right here, right now, but our next big event, we're planning on holding in Kimberly in the IGA parking lot. And I don't know if you're getting an idea of what that might be, but, uh, but you know, we're planning on holding that, and we're, we're, we, but we've got some things to plan for. That's a cool thing. 
That's an awesome thing. I said, I said last week at Growth Track, it was, a, it was an amazing thing just a couple of months ago how, how uh, on, uh, on Sunday we had some visitors on Sunday, and, and that following uh, Saturday we were going down to the Mount Olive Elementary School and paint, paint some classrooms, and somebody invited one of that visitor that was just here on a Sunday, invited them to come on a Saturday and paint, you know, and work, you know, and sweat, you know, and you're kind of like, oh, no, you know, don't, don't put them to work as soon as they get here. That's what people want today. People want challenge. Hey, show me something I can do that can make a difference. And you know what that guy did? He came and he painted. And you know what he did? He came back yesterday and he helped for about, you know, for several hours here. We did some things here. But you know what he did last Sunday? He joined the church. He and his wife joined the church. Why? Because people want to be part of something, you know, and especially the generations that are coming up right now. They don't want to come sit and watch things happen. They want to be involved. They want to play an instrument if they know how to, or they want to be involved in teaching or, or developing. They, they want to be involved. So, so, so tell people about the stuff that's going on. And you can invite people and say, man, we're going to do this big event, and, and it'd be awesome for you to come help us. You, you can share those kinds of things. Or, or 315 Kids is going through a total makeover right now. Even the logo has changed. See the logo there? That's, even it's changed. And uh, they're doing some work. They're, they're moving, changing some classrooms around. They're actually going to be moving upstairs. Everything's going to be on, on, on the wing right here on this level. They're do, doing some really cool things, changing a lot of stuff up, and it's all launching next Sunday. And it's kind of like they, they think they probably got some tests. So if you say, man, I'm too late. No, you're not too late because they're kind of still testing some things next week. And you can get involved. If you love working with kids, man, you can get involved. There's some Wednesday night stuff that's going to be happening in September with clubs and things with the kids and, and get involved. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying if you know somebody that's an estranged member of the family that don't know they belong in the family and they've got kids, you've got an excuse. You've got a reason to say, hey, why don't you bring your kids over? Our kids' ministry is being totally revamped right now. Re just had a makeover. Why don't you come bring your kids over and try it out? Man, excuses, excuses, excuses. That's, that's what we try. We give, try to give you reasons. Uh, and, and like our small groups, they're kind of winding down. Summer's winding down, you know. And uh, so small groups are winding down. But we've, got, we've still got one that anybody pretty much can attend. Uh, I mean, we've, we've got people my age and older, and we've got probably the biggest part of the crowd is a good bit younger than me, you know, 20-somethings. And actually, they're looking at spinning one off. But the Hebrews Cafe on Thursday night, really cool thing. I mean, just come together and uh, lots of fellowship, Worship, acoustic worship, devotion. Really, it's a discussion kind of a thing. Everybody hangs out and just hangs out. One lady came in the last time we had it. She, she said, I told my husband, we got to hurry up and move these chairs afterwards. I got to get home, you know, because what she's talking about is we can't stand around here and talk like we've been fellowshipping every night, like we, we keep doing this. And it's just grown like that. And, you know, if you need that, I mean, there's, there's opportunity. So I don't want you to think like just because small groups are winding down, there's not something. No, there's something there right now that you can invite somebody to, but small groups are about to launch in three weeks. Three weeks from today, small groups launch. And, and so let me say this real quick. If you're thinking about leading a small group, time to think is over. It's time to do. You got to get, you got to get active right now. You got to talk to Gary today and say, you got to do that. But small groups are going to launch in three weeks. And those, that is an even greater opportunity. Get people involved. I mean, tell them about uh, the cool things that are going to, they're going to happen. Hey, small groups are launching. Don't you need to connect? And listen, you might, you might think, well, I don't really need, yeah, you do need small groups. Why? Because of the sermon I've been preaching. I mean, I've been preaching about you're part of a family. You need to connect with your family. And, 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 and the youth ministry, our student ministry around here, uh, they, they've had a, so many, so many things already happening, uh, as they've, they've moved their worship service to Monday night. 
And that was in preparation. So things aren't done by accident around here, okay? We, we do things on purpose. They've moved their worship to, to Monday, so, so now they've been worshiping on Monday, and they're about to start small groups on Wednesday night in September as well. Uh, they've got a big kickoff on the, on the, first, uh, the first week of, of September, so you need to talk to I, They had a barbecue last night. Sorry you missed that. You didn't know it, but they had a big slip and slide. Sorry you missed that if you didn't know it. I mean, all kinds of excuses, Fun things, fun reasons to tell people, hey, here's what's going on at 29-11. You know, and I just had this thought as I was wrapping up again last night and praying about it. I was thinking, man, we talk, I've been talking about if you knew there was an estranged person, what if you were that estranged person that had lost contact with your family? If you were the one that had kind of gotten lost from the family, wouldn't you want someone to come find you? I think somebody probably did, didn't they? Isn't that why you're here today? You're here because somebody came and found you and said, look, you belong to this family. Why don't you come go with me? And it's up to us. It's up to us to finish that and do that. It's up to us to do that for somebody else. You know, and we get, we get caught up a lot of times in our stuff. That's why we began where we began today. The two greatest commandments is not what you want out of church. It's what he wants out of us as his church. And he has estranged family members out there that he dreams will come back home to the family. That's what he wants out of us. And he gives us lots of reasons to invite people. And he has them just stumble on top of us when it happens. Come on, let's stand. If you will, come to the front. Let's close. Um, one last little thing, the big room. You know, I was saying about this sanctuary, you know, how when we get in our next space, we don't call it sanctuary. We've got to find another name for it because sanctuary, people don't even know what that word means. If they do, most of them think about the hunchback of Notre Dame, you know, crying out sanctuary, you know, and everything. And sometimes we look at it that way, oh, I get to rest in the sanctuary. But, it, oh, it means so much more than that. So that's why I said the big room. But think about that, the big room. It's the big room where everybody gathers, right? We're not here to keep a seat warm. We're not here to fill a seat, to fill a chair. We're here to fill the empty chairs. That's why God has us in. Because you know what I believe? I believe that if he had nobody else out there he dreamed about reaching, he would come take the church, get us all home. But we're still here. There must be somebody else he wants to reach, right? So let's find out. Who, oh, I want, I want you to pray with me. Worship team's going to lead us in a final song. Don't start.